0: Well, good morning, church. Let's sing together. Hey, happy Mother's Day. Come on, sing it. I was
1: buried beneath my shame. sense so I won't be
0: Chosen. child of God this morning you're chosen you're not forsaken and it's debatable people fighting all over the place right now But every child is chosen by God I said every child is chosen by God There's a purpose. If you're a mother this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. And if you're near one of those mothers, I want you to lay your hand on them or point your hand toward them. a special blessing over mothers this morning. All mothers, whether you have given birth or you're an adoptive mother or you're a hopeful mother, Lord, we pray blessings on their lives. The struggles to raise children and to raise them in a godly way is under attack like never before. So we pray that special blessing. We pray that you'll help them raise their children in a godly way Then, no matter what the world throws at them they'll stick with you Lord there's mothers and we we saw it happen last year and we're praying again this year that there's mothers that are struggling and this is going to sound strange but there are mothers you're called to be a mother but you're struggling to get pregnant by the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we pray over your womb right now that your womb will open up. and You'll get to be a mother like you've always dreamed and some mothers that can't. There are children right now that need a mother in our foster care system. And I pray the church will rise up instead of watching everything go by, that we'll rise up and take those children into our homes be mothers to those children as well. And we pray that over our church, that our church will have an adoptive heart. But mothers, this is your morning. God, bless them. Encourage them. Give them strength daily as they raise these children. Some of you mothers are now grandmothers. That you'll help them to walk alongside their grandchildren. And continue to point them to Jesus every day. Turn the conversation to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for their blessing. We thank you for what you're going to bring to your people, to these mothers. can be seated. Yeah, let's give the Lord a celebration clap.
2: Look at somebody and let them know that you're glad that they're at Gateway Church on this Mother's Day. We are so thankful that you're here. How many mothers have found yourself uh, uh, typing or thinking things that were in that video? Uh, the enemy will um, pass, uh, Mothering is, pastoring is too. Mothering is hard, but it's rewarding. And uh, we want to thank all of our mothers for, for um, everything that you do for your families and for our church family, and uh, we want to uh, bless you this morning as you leave. Uh, Be sure and uh, stop in the lobby, and we've got just a small token of our appreciation, just a small gift uh, for you. And uh, we are looking forward to what God's going to continue to do in your family and in our church. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. Uh, You'll notice uh, on the back of you, on the back of the pew, there is a a QR code. You can take your phone. You can scan that QR code. It will uh, take you to what we call the Gateway Church Lobby. There you are able to check in. Uh, you can, uh, if you're a guest, you can let us know that you're new and only answer about three questions. Uh, we won't show up at your doorstep or anything like that. We just want to be able to thank you for being here and, and uh, spending time with us. You also can give. And uh, let me say that giving is an important part of what we do. Uh, it, it's not just something that we do just to check off a box, but, but we give because uh, that's what God uh, asks of us. And, that, and that's what we do. We give out of a, a, a loving heart. And uh, so you can do that there, and uh, you can also give at the back of the auditorium. And uh, the Bible says that if you're just faithful in in, in small things, and that if you'll just be faithful, uh, that he sees your faithfulness. And uh, so we appreciate all that you do to help us continue to uh, do. Uh, ministry not in this church but in this community there's all kinds of things that we'll be doing uh, in, in coming in, during the summer and in the fall uh, we're planning a, a big block party uh, right before our uh, vacation bible school uh, that we'll be doing uh, in the month of june and so we're just excited about reaching out to a lost and, and a hurting uh, how many people know there's lost and hurting people all around you And uh, there's lost and people hurting all around this building. And uh, so God has put us in this community for a reason and for a purpose. And uh, thank you for continuing to be a part of that. Uh, Today we're going to wrap up a series that we started on Easter four weeks ago on Easter Sunday. During this series, we've been looking at four of the the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the book of John. Now, if you've missed the first three weeks, uh, you might be sitting here and saying, what is an I am statement? Uh, So I will tell you that that it's common for people to try to label you. Uh, Some of you are sitting here today and and you've been labeled in ways that some are fair and and some are not fair. Uh, You've been called things or or, or people have labeled you. And Jesus had the same problem. He had the same issue while he was here on earth. He was labeled in many different ways. Uh, So many people thought that they knew who Jesus was. And it's one thing to, to, to listen to someone tell you what they think about somebody. And it's completely different when you start to get to know the person for yourself. Have you ever had someone tell you something about someone? And, and then you, you think, well, that person's not very nice. Or that person is this. Or that person is that. But then you take the time and you start to get to know them. And when you start to get to know them, you think, well, they're not really like that at all. When you start to get to know them, you begin to think, well, well, they're completely different than than what that person told me they were. One of the best ways to get to know someone is to spend time with them. One of the best ways to get to know someone is to listen to them. And this is true when it comes to understanding who Jesus is. Many are guilty uh, of not spending time with him. Many are guilty of depending on everyone else to tell us who they think Jesus is. But we never take time to get to know him through his word. We never take time to to get to know him. But when you start to look at the life of Jesus, when you start to read the accounts of his life that are found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is uh, basically four books of the Bible that are called the Gospels. And in those books, it's basically an account of Jesus' life. When you begin to read those, you can get a clearer picture of, of who he really is. And the book that we've been looking at is the fourth gospel, the Gospel of John. Jesus makes seven statements in the book of John that are an attempt for him to tell people around him who he is. These statements start with two simple words or three simple letters that are simply, he says, I am. And so that's what we mean when we say I am statements. We've been looking at the very words of Jesus. On Easter Sunday, we talked about what Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, when he told Mary and Martha uh, that their brother Lazarus, who had died, would live again. And they said, yes, we know that he'll live again in the resurrection. But Jesus said, no, that's that's not what I'm talking about. And Jesus looks at them and he says, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What Jesus was saying is, is I want all the people around me to know who I am. I want everyone around me to understand and to realize that resurrection is not just what I do, but it's who I am. I want people around me to know that that dead things come to life when the resurrection walks into the room. And we know the story. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The second week we looked at what Jesus had to say and and he compared us to dumb stupid sheep. And everybody left here just discouraged, right? What Jesus said was, he says, listen, you're like sheep. And you have some characteristics of sheep. Sheep get lost easily. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep are stubborn. Sheep are filthy. Wives look at your husbands so that explains it all. But then in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And what Jesus was saying was, he said, listen, there is an enemy out there that wants to destroy anything that matters to God. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your children. And Jesus says, if you will stay close to me. If you will learn my voice, I will guide you. I will provide for you. I will correct you when you need correcting. I will protect you. Jesus said, but you have to stay close to me. Just as sheep stay close to the shepherd. Last week, we looked at a story found in John chapter eight, when a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, she had been brought and thrown at the feet of Jesus. And in that moment, they asked Jesus, they said, what should we do? Should we let her go free or should we stone her to death? And in that moment, the love of Jesus revealed God's grace. And one by one, her accusers walked away. And then Jesus turned to the crowd around him and he said this. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus was saying, listen, when you follow me, you do not have to walk in darkness anymore. When you follow me, you can immediately walk out of darkness into his light. Why? Because light always wins over darkness. This week we're going to look at John chapter 15 verse 5. When Jesus said this, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Now, when you begin to think about this, what Jesus is saying here is pretty dramatic. A lot of people probably thought it was pretty arrogant because what Jesus is saying was that, listen, if you stick with me, you're gonna be successful. If you stick with me, you're going to do the things that I say you can do. But if you don't stick with me, you can do nothing. I mean, that's a pretty bold claim. And last week I mentioned that, that, that a lot of times we're guilty of looking at simple statements in the Bible and not taking them into context. So I want to look at the context of, of what Jesus was saying here when he was saying it. The context of this starts in John chapter 13, and that's where we begin to read about the Last Supper. This was the last time that Jesus would get together with all of his disciples before he would be crucified. And it goes through chapter 18 when Jesus goes to the garden to pray. And it was there that that he would be arrested and, and taken away. So between chapter 13 and chapter 18, we have chapter 15. And what that is, is this is the dinner conversation. Now, let me ask you this question. If you were with your friends and family and you were eating dinner for what you would know would be the last time that you would ever get to eat dinner with them. You were, you were having a, an intimate setting with them that you knew would be the last time that you would have this setting. Do you think you would think about that conversation a little bit? I, I mean, I believe that, that you would think about it. I, I doubt you would go in and, and start talking about the weather. You wouldn't waste time talking about politics. You wouldn't worry about what the stock, stock market did the day before. I believe that you would think about that conversation and that those moments would be spent with you telling them things that you thought were important for them to know. You would spend your time telling them things that would help them be successful after you were gone. So this is the context that we see that Jesus is making this statement when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is, is throwing down some, some deep stuff for, the, for his disciples. Jesus is giving them some, some life-changing wisdom. He says, you have to stay connected to me. Why is that so important? Why is being connected to the vine so important? In this statement, we're not being compared to sheep. Say, thank goodness. We're being compared to a branch. Now, I asked this question not too long ago, but uh, how many of you are old enough to remember that, that you're old enough that your parents would make you go pick a, a branch or a switch off a tree to get whipped? A lot less in this service than the first one. And if the teens were still in here, they'd be saying, what? I get time out. i lose my iPad. What I'm about to tell you, probably if you were one of those kids or if you're one of those parents, you you better hope your kid never learns this fact. But if you were growing up and and you would have told your parents what I'm getting ready to tell you, you, you probably would have got whipped a little harder. If you would have looked at your parents and when they told you, go get a switch, go get a branch, and if you'd said, no, I'm not going to do it, and they said, why, what, you could have said, no, I'm not pulling the branch from that tree because once I do it, the branch is useless. Your parents would have probably said no, it's going it's to have a use. If you would have said, once I pull the branch from that tree, that branch is going to die. Mother, father, you wouldn't want me to commit murder, would you? Because a branch that isn't connected to the vine is useless. You're not going to to see a branch lying in the middle of a yard and just all of a sudden it's going to sprout fruit. So when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The first thing that we need to realize in that statement is that staying connected produces fruit. Staying connected produces fruit. Now, now some people misinterpret what fruit really is. Some people will say, say, well, I have a beautiful house. I've got a fancy car, I have 2.5 kids, I've got a great job, I've got a lot of fruit in my life. That's not what Jesus is talking about. The fruit that Jesus is referring to is not talking about that kind of fruit. It's talking about the fruit described in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, when Paul writes this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. How many people would say, I need some of that fruit in my life? But some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, now pastor, I'm trying to stay connected to the vine. I'm here this morning. I'm trying to stay connected to the vine, but I'm not seeing evidence of that kind of fruit in my life. My temper gets the best of me, Pastor. I won't put a a Gateway Church bumper sticker on my car because I know the kind of road rage that I have. I'm not seeing fruit. I have a problem with self-control. I don't have joy in my life. I don't have peace in my life. As a matter of fact, I've got the exact opposite. Pastor, I'm connected, but, but, but the fruit, it just isn't there. Where is it? Jesus said, if you want to bear fruit, not just fruit, but much fruit, he said, you have to remain. Look at the person sitting beside you and just say, remain. Remain. He said, if you remain, he didn't say, you might. He didn't say, well, if you remain, there's a chance. He didn't say, well, well, there's, there's a good possibility. He said, if you remain in me, He said, you will bear. And he didn't just say fruit, not just a little bit. He said much fruit, but you have to remain. How many people know remaining is difficult, isn't it? Anybody have difficulty remaining? Anyone ever decided to to go on on a diet on Monday? And you go on that diet. So the first thing you want to do is you want to get on that scale. You want to see what it says. And so on Monday, you eat great. On Tuesday, you eat great. On Wednesday, you decide, I'm going to get back on the scale. And you've been good two days, and you you get on that scale, and you've gained three pounds. Anybody ever had that happen? Let's just be honest. What do you say? In that moment, you know what you think? I'm done with this. I'm not remaining. Give me the chocolate cake. Give me... The biscuits and gravy. Somebody tried to tell me it was gravy and biscuits. Anybody say it like that? Weird kids. Oh, one person. Well, you're with them. I said, what goes in first? The biscuit, then you put the gravy over it, right? He said, no, i put the gravy and then put the biscuit in I said, you're weird. But it's hard to remain. But the reality of dieting is, it can't be something that you do just for a little while. It has to be something that you're committed to. It has to be something that you remain in. And if you remain in it, if you continue to burn more calories than you eat, you will lose weight, but it's hard. And it's especially hard when you're not seeing the results. The same thing's true with God. He says, if you want to bear much fruit, you have to remain. You have to stay connected. Staying connected produces much fruit. But then he goes on. The second part of that says, being disconnected produces nothing. Being disconnected produces Nothing. You think about a a branch that's laying in the middle of the yard. What happens to those branches? A lot of times they get picked up and thrown into the fire. A lot of times they get chipped up into little pieces with the lawnmower or wood chipper. That branch that's laying in your yard, it's going to end up in many pieces with no use, producing nothing. Why? Because those branches are disconnected from their source. And apart from their source, they can't produce. The same thing happens when we disconnect from the vine. When we disconnect from the vine, which is God, we have zero chance of producing fruit. We have zero chance of having what Paul described in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23. When you disconnect from the vine, what happens is instead of finding yourself doing the things that you should be doing, you find yourself doing things that you would never have done or do if you were connected to the vine. And what happens is is you start to wither away. You start dying on the inside. Why? Because you're away from the source. You start making decisions that will lead to destruction. You find yourself in in situations and you begin to ask yourself the question, well, how in the world did I get here? I was doing so good. How in the world did, did I end up way over here? If a branch could think, it's probably what it would be thinking. How did I end up away from the vine, away from the tree? Over here in the middle of the yard, getting ready to be devoured, burn up. When you're disconnected from the vine, you cannot survive. But when you're connected, you can produce and will produce much fruit. So the question is simple. How do we stay connected to the vine? Now, there are a lot of ways to stay connected. Prayer will keep you connected to the vine. Reading the Bible will keep you connected. Life groups will keep you connected. Watching a a sunrise over the mountain and and thinking about all that God has created will keep you connected. Looking at that newborn baby and realizing that 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 baby is is a gift from God, that will keep you connected. Thinking about the amazement of, of the human body. And how that, that, that Reese was out riding her scooter this week. And, and she f- fell and she walks in the house just as calm as she could be. And she said, I'm bleeding. And She had blood pouring from her elbow and from both knees and from both hands. And just as luck would have it, Christy wasn't home. And you may or may not know my um, love for blood. So I look at her and say, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what to do. She says, Call mom. I called Christian. She said, Do you need to FaceTime me? Thankful for mothers. But this morning she, we were looking at her knees. And that knees, those knees and that, and that arm that was once just raw. You could barely t- tell anything had happened. Why? Because that's the way God designed the body. To begin to heal itself. And when you begin to think about the amazement of everything that God has created and and the way that everything works. That's a way to stay connected to God. But in this passage uh, of scripture, in this dinner conversation, Jesus gives them uh, another way and the way that that we need to stay connected to the vine. You want to stay connected to the vine? Do what Jesus says. What does he say? Well, he had a lot to say, but in this particular conversation, he looks at his disciples and he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. There's three key words there. Keep my commands. What does that mean? It means more than just knowing about his commands. It means more than just talking about his commands. Remaining in him is keeping those commands. Francis Chan used an illustration about asking his daughter to clean the room. He said, if I ask my daughter to clean her room, and then I come back and say, did you clean your room? And she says, well, no, but I was sitting in my room, and and I memorized your exact words and exactly how you said them. Clean your room. Well, that's great that you memorized that, but did you do it? No, but I I got a tattoo right here on my arm that says in Hebrew, clean my room, so that every time I look at it, I'll be reminded that I need to clean my room. Say, well, that's awesome, but did you clean your room? No, I got got four friends together and and we went to get some coffee and we talked about and even looked at pictures of what a clean room looked like. We even studied the word in Greek and and realized that it means to, to clean in haste and to clean with much fortitude. We know all about it, dad. He said, yeah, but did you clean your room? What are you saying, pastor? I believe that God is saying to a lot of us that we need to clean our room. God's been telling us to do something for a long time. He's been confirming it through his word and, and through people. He says, if you want to stay connected to me, quit talking about it. Quit praying about it. How many times, do, 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 God's saying, how many times do you need me to confirm it to you? Clean your room. If you want to remain in me, do what I ask you to do. Maybe it's become a life group leader. Maybe it's just getting in a life group. Maybe it's pouring yourself into someone. Maybe it's investing more time with your kids. Maybe it's becoming more Generous. Maybe it's becoming a little less, a little more selfless, getting outside of yourself. If you want to stay connected to the vine, if you want to remain in his love, you have to do what he's asking you to do. Secondly, Jesus says you need to love like he loved. In verse 12 of that same dinner conversation, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. He said, love each other as I have loved you. Now, if he would have just said love each other, it would have been a lot easier, wouldn't it? Because we can all be subjective of what we think love looks like. But he had to throw that in there, as I have loved you. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to erase all doubt what love really meant and what it looked like. He said, if you love each other, as I have loved you, you can remain in the vine. Now, love it was a topic of conversation on the way to, to Jerusalem for the Passover meal. They were arguing about who the greatest was. And, and Jesus says, guys, listen, the greatest among you is the one who serves. In other words, the greatest among you is the one who loves. And then he went to dinner. And when they got there, Jesus put a, a, a towel around his waist and, and he washed their feet. Jesus is showing them what love looks like. And then in dramatic fashion, he looks at them and says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, you want to remain in my love? Then keep my commands. In other words, Jesus is saying, do what I say. Do the example that I'm giving to you. And then the very next thing Jesus said was no greater love has man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. He says love each other as I have loved you. He didn't give some long list that says well you want to prove your love, you want to remain in me well you make sure you go to church every Sunday check. Make sure you read the devotion that Is set out for you in the 365 days so you can get through the Bible, check. Make sure that you give your tithes this week, check. He didn't give us a a checklist of what it meant. He said, if you want to remain in me, it all starts with loving the way that I loved. Because if you love the way that he loves, all of those other things you'll do out of a heart of love. You'll do it because you want to, not to just check off a box. He said, if you want to love the way I love, he said, it is impossible to do away from the vine. Away from the vine, we cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. Away from the vine, we cannot love like Jesus loved. If you want to produce fruit, If you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you want those things in your life. How many people say I want them? He says remain in me. How do you remain in me? Love as I've loved. We didn't put love God and love people on the back of this wall for just for something catchy to say. Because as a church we understand that if we love him and we love the way that he loved then we'll produce much fruit. And as a church, that's the fruit that we want to produce. To remain in Him, you have to love like He loved. What happens is, is when you get away from the vine, you may think, well, there's that person in my life that that every time I see them, I just... I saw a thing on Facebook that said... My problem is, is I want to follow Christ and I want to punch people too. It's one of the members that shared that. I got a text message that said, what kind of church are you guys running there, buddy? And I said, well, they, they say the people are just like the pastor and sometimes I'm that way too. You begin to think about and you say, well, just, I have a hard time have a hard time loving like he loved say why is that maybe you're not close enough to the vine maybe you've been disconnected because he said if you're connected you will produce fruit but you have to remain it's easy to get discouraged I've watched it happen over and over and over and over People are following God. They're they're doing the things and they're loving like He loved. And and then just all of a sudden, they they start to get away from the vine. They start to take steps backward. Maybe they don't see the results that they want to see, or or maybe something happens that's tragic in their life. And He says, You have to remain. You, You can't give up. You have to remain can't stop. You can't become disconnected. Because why is that? Because disconnected from the vine, you can produce nothing. And I don't want a bunch of nothing in my life. I want to bear much fruit. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. And I'm just going to ask this, this simple question. How many people would say that you want the kind of fruit that Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 5 in your life. Would everybody say, yes, I want that? We all do. Now the question, next question is a little bit more difficult. How many people were willing to remain? How many people were willing to be connected to the vine? But it's not convenient. When it becomes difficult when you've got a thousand things that you think are better things to be doing. He says, if you'll just love like I've loved, you can stay connected. And when you're connected, all of those things just flow naturally out of your life. But don't give up. I'm going to pray, and as, as I begin to pray, you need prayer maybe you say I, I've never made the decision I've, I've never really been connected to the vine your one heartfelt prayer saying that you believe in your heart and confessing with your mouth that he's Lord he will connect you to the vine maybe you're here this morning to say you know pastor I, I'm connected to the vine but, but I don't feel like I'm getting many nutrients out here what he's saying is, is come just a little bit closer Come just a little bit closer. And you might be here and saying, Pastor, I'm doing everything I know to do, but there's no sense of that kind of fruit in my life. For you, I say, just remain. Keep doing what you're doing. Draw closer to Him every day. So as I begin to pray, if you need prayer, we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you. This altar is always open. But do not miss this moment. God is speaking to people. He's speaking. His Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. And he's saying, this is is for you. It's easy to think, well, it's for the person on my left or the person on my right. No, it's for us all. It's for me. It's for you. Because it's easy to lose track of and become disconnected from the vine. So if you need prayer, this altar is open. But do not miss this moment. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now. God, I'm so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to stand in front of this great group of people. God, people who are, are, are trying and desiring to be more like you. Father, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will speak to hearts, that you will speak to lives. God, for those who maybe are discouraged, help them remain. For those who have never been connected to the vine, Father, allow them to confess with their mouth and to believe in their heart that you are Lord father let us realize and know that apart from you we can do nothing apart from you we are useless father I'm so thankful for these for your the words of your son Jesus as he proclaimed who he is and who he wants to be in our lives God may we be reminded God that you're the vine Father, that you prune us, you dress us to be able to produce not just fruit, but much fruit. Father, I thank you and I praise you in the name of Jesus.